Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of the Cultured Nerd Podcast. This week we're on episode 45. Um, you know, there's 52 episodes a year, but somehow we got off track because we're not going to be a full 52 episodes by the end of December. We're going to be way over that number. So somewhere along the line we messed up. But, you know, either way, this episode, we're going to be talking about the kind of the new things that happened since our last episode, because like we've been saying, with the writer's strike over, the news is pouring out again. And one of the unfortunate realities is that the SAG strike it didn't work out. We're going to talk in detail about what actually happened and why the studios are now playing dirty with the actors, which we didn't think was going to happen. We're also going to talk about how Disney literally performed this mass culling and is now rebooting the Daredevil reboot, which is insane. <laughs> and now, as of today, the Disney Gargoyles show is getting a live-action reimagining, which, on paper, you're like, oh my god, that sounds terrible. But in reality, when you see the people behind it, it could be pretty amazing, given the source material. So, uh, we're going to have some fun stuff to talk about. But as you all know from last week, Michael Santel is in Costa Rica, abandoning me. So we brought Grant Ingram from uh, Through the Monocle to come be my co-host for today. So we're going to talk about that. And thank you to our big sponsor for this week again, Spectra Alchemy, the digital art group. Uh, scan that QR code. Check out those random T-shirts, the seamless patterns, the clip arts, whatever he designs. Go check them out and see what he's got on his Etsy shop. And again... We're going to be talking about the TCN podcast giveaway. We are now on episode three of this month. Yeah, three. So this month, uh, we're giving away some Batman 89 stuff. I've got it all in hand. So if you all want to see me flaunt it in the show, I would definitely will. But at some point in this episode, we're going to be asking a random question. Answer in the comments, and we go from there. But without further ado, you know, let's just start the start. And here we are. It's good to be so, here. So, Grant, how you doing? I'm uh, I'm doing well. It's been a been a bit of a day, but I am uh, glad to be here. It feels like I've been called up to the big leagues. So, uh, before we started recording, I was open at Pokemon cards because I just felt like it, and I pulled another one of those Charizards. And so far, my unhealthy habit has already paid for itself now because I have two of these bad boys, and no matter how much I spend, it's still going to be less than what they're worth. So it's okay. So now I can justify the nonsense. <laughs> it's always a good thing to have happen, right? Like there's always there a good thing. Very few hobbies pay for themselves. Like I can get as good as I want in video games and I'm still sinking money. 100%. And the big games are coming out this week. This week Spider-Man 2 comes out. I think in like 3 days I'll be able to play this thing. And uh obviously the spoilers have ruined it for the internet. I mean if you're if you're on the internet and you click on anything Spider-Man, watch out because it's there. But um, from my understanding, after looking at dozens of reviews today, IGN gave them the lowest review at an eight. Everyone else is giving it nines and tens. So I love IGN, but like they, they give so everything an eight. Inconsistent. <laughs> <laughs> I was, everything uh, gets a seven. Yeah, a seven or an everything eight. Like gets I was. A seven. I was playing uh, Forza Motorsport last week, and I'm like, this game is amazing. I wonder what IGN thinks about it. And like the reviews are like, it's better than the last one. We we really like it. The RPG mechanics don't work quite as well. 
give it an eight. The last one got a nine and a half. It's like, is it really better than the the last one? If you're if you're ranking it like two points below, I I don't know. Yeah, that's and that's what they said on this one. They're like improved in every capacity. It's the sequel that fans are waiting for. Eight, and I'm like, but you gave the last one like a perfect score. What? What? <laughs> it just wasn't improved enough. It wasn't improved enough to up our standards and be consistent with our rating. But, or to not up our standards, right? Like, gosh. I don't know. It, it's insane. But um, on that same note, I'm trying to scramble and finish Assassin's Creed Mirage, which I probably could if I just sat down and did it because it's not a long game. But I got to admit, I'm I'm really loving the return to form for the, that franchise because I love the original Assassin's Creed. I think they really peaked around um, Assassin's... Like in the early games, like Assassin's Creed Black Flag was probably like its pinnacle. Mm-hmm. Um but like Assassin's Creed 2, Revelations, all that stuff, they're fantastic. And yeah. this game feels like it fits right in with Assassin's Creed 2 and all that. It's just short. So right. at least it's that. not set in like Viking times with, with like I, I don't know. I'm just glad it's an assassin game again. But it so it is in Valhalla, the, the big Viking game. You had this one character named Basim who was like the assassin liaison to the Vikings. This is his story. So you you essentially you know who Basim is if you've played Valhalla and you're like okay now I get to see how he becomes an assassin, so it starts with him becoming an assassin and it's all assassins, but it's it's pretty rad. I'm liking it so far. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't even realize it was out yet. So much stuff has come out in the last two weeks. I thought that was like still three weeks away. No, and we've got Valhalla came out last week. We got Spider Man coming out this week. I think Alan Wake comes out in the next week or so. And. You've got the Metal Gear Solid collection that's coming out soon. And if you haven't played those games, this is a great time to jump on that because those first handful of games are just pure PlayStation iconic, amazing games. Yeah. Um, let me see, October game releases because there's a lot. It's like all of them. Yeah, so every week there's at least one or two massive games. Um, Wonder's coming out soon, isn't it? What? The oh, yeah, Mario like, game. Uh, Super Mario Wonder comes out like next week gosh I think. um okay yeah so we got assassin's creed mirage the roblox game came out for playstation which i guess they own it um gargoyles remastered comes out in a couple days which is perfect timing because what we're talking about spider-man 2 uh just dance ghostbusters rise of the ghost lord in vr which sounds really awesome alan cool. wake um and next month we got started where's super mario brothers i, I could have sworn it was on this list did it already come out did i miss it Nah, surely it's not out yet because that's one I would have seen. I would okay, think. Let me, look. let me look on a different website because they suck. Detective Pikachu came out. Uh, Lords of the Fallen, uh, Forza, Motor- Forza Motorsport, Sonic Superstars, Super Mario Wonder comes out October twenty. Okay, so Super Mario Wonder is going head to head with Spider Man. So I wonder which one will win. Nintendo fans love their uh... Nintendo. Nintendo fans. I, I own a Switch, and I own more games on my Switch than my other consoles. I play my PlayStation more, but I have more Switch things. Um, however, that makes sense. But no, Every time I see something on the Switch, I buy it, and I'm going to be honest, I haven't dusted off my Switch in like three weeks. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I still have like three or four sealed games for my Switch. I need yeah. to unseal them. <laughs> <laughs> Alan Wake 2, Metal Gear Solid, uh, Dave the Driver, City Skylines, Cyberpunk's uh, DLC came out like the tail end of last month. Yeah, so I mean, it's a pretty decent month. But I'm, I'm really looking forward to all the fun stuff coming in. 
But um, on more on the on the topics, uh, the SAG strike is still in effect, which is very unfortunate because last week they went into talks. You had all these tweets that are saying, "Oh, everything is going well, everything is going well," and then all of a sudden they halted all the talks and basically said the studios are being assholes and we're not gonna we're not gonna settle for less than what we deserve, and they just completely stopped. And it, it's like it went back to square one and everything just sucks. Yeah. Um, so hopefully by the end of this year, things will work out. They've got like six or seven weeks to truly make an impact to, to make it happen. But the studios, um, despite the fact that they gave the writers everything they want, apparently they didn't want to take another hit and they didn't give the actors half of what they asked for, which is which in terms of yeah. not wanting to take another hit is just giving yourself another hit. Like, yeah. Like it's such a weird game to play, <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh, we're not going to give the actors what they want. So we're just going to keep being closed and keep losing money. Right. It's not like it's like before, at least they were both on strike. So if nobody reached an agreement, it's the same, but now like you've got stuff being written and nobody to work in the literally that. I mean, you had both of them on strike. Everything was at a standstill. They were losing money, but now the studios are paying the writers so to work on projects. That they're they're losing the same amount of money they were before by not having any production, but now they have to pay everyone they just rehired. Yeah. So, so make that know. make sense. <laughs> There's somebody who's like getting a raise for not caving to demands, and that that's seriously, what, yeah, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. I just cannot believe that they they did that i saw they were um, saying deadpool might end up being delayed because they've only got half of it done and well from my understanding deadpool was was a very very close to being finished and filming wise but they still had to finish the last few weeks of principal and then they had all their adr stuff all their pickups so there's a chance that if they don't get it back on track in the next like couple months they will have to delay it because they're nowhere near ready um, you can only be as ready as you can be when your project is 80% filmed. You just, you just pull a theatrical Justice League and the movie ends in the middle. Yeah, exactly. Just make it do terrible. that. <laughs> make it terrible. Do it, Marvel. Yeah. Balls in your court. See if well, you can we, pull that off. We saw She-Hulk. We know you can make bad stuff. Throw it out there. Speaking of bad stuff and She-Hulk, Daredevil. The Daredevil reboot is getting rebooted again. <laughs> which is which is amazing. Um, word came out that Daredevil was in the process of actually. They were really they were what four episodes in filming wise of their eighteen episode run. And I didn't realize they were they had already they'd already shot four. They shot a lot. Wow. They actually shot quite a bit, and then once the strike finished, the studio was like, "This sucks," and. <laughs> killed the entire project basically let the entire writer's room go just threw out all the scripts and is hiring a new team to start from scratch i'm kind of happy about that i'm not even gonna i i am happy about that because all the details that did come come with it was that um let, let me just pull up some of the the infos uh Born Again had been dealing with considerable behind-the-scenes drama after recent reports surfaced regarding the firing of its head writer, Matt Corman and Chris Ord, as well as the directors for the remaining season when episodes left to shoot. So they fired the right, the head writers and the directors that were still 
going to be slated to finish projects. Uh, Marvel president Kevin Feige decided to shake things up after not liking Born Again's direction. Um, basically, after the critical bombing of Secret Invasion, they realized we have to make these projects A-level or it's not going to work. We can't survive on clout and brand recognition alone. Um, there were some rumors that um, certain characters such as um, Karen, uh, Karen Page? Karen Page. Is that her last name? Right. Yep. Uh, she was not even referenced at all in the project. Like, it's one thing to have uh, Foggy be referenced and then showing that they've parted ways and there's just references to Foggy, but Karen didn't even get an honorable mention. Um, you had um, Daredevil apparently not even suiting up until episode four or five, which is like, that's season one stuff where you have him in his black suit until the last 20 minutes of the show. But even in season two, he was in the suit the first 30 seconds of the show. Yeah. So it's like, why would you... Why'd you do that? I don't hate him not being in the suit. Like, I like my Daredevil, and I like the fact that Daredevil is like a... It can be a legal procedural. I think that's really cool. But they proved with She-Hulk they don't know how to do that. Exactly. They, that they was proved- my issue, because I, I love legal procedure shows. Like... I love suits. I like watching Law and Order. I like those procedural shows. Those are fun to me. Yeah. And if they're really well written, they can be amazing. Like I think of a, a show that I used to love called Boston Legal. Mm-hmm. That show was way ahead of its time. And mm-hmm. when the time came when that show started realizing that they were going to get um, canceled, during that last season, they started breaking the fourth wall in some of the best ways possible. And I didn't expect that in that kind of a show. When the when the the people would be like. What's going to happen when a show like uh, and they start they described their own show and looked at the audience like what are you going to watch now that we're gone and I was like what did they just do <laughs> like it was one of those like wink moments it was it was an amazing show but yeah. you have shows that clearly know how to do the legal stuff right and then you have She Hulk I, I get why which... She Hulk went bad like they tried they I could tell they tried like they they. It was sort of there, but they failed to commit to it being a legal procedural while letting that trial, the the try of of making it a legal procedural, drag down what could have also been a decent show. And so it just ended up being kind of a half-hearted crap fest. Yeah, in both directions. And it was like, it wasn't a great She-Hulk show. It wasn't a great legal show. It was kind of just there. And I mean, and if you look at how much money they spent on the VFX that were kind of okay... They yeah. weren't like grade A, but they weren't okay. And you realize that, okay, the amount of money they spent on having She-Hulk twerk, you could have hired a better writer to make the legal stuff make more sense. How much money would did that one scene cost? It, I mean, it had to be en- enough to hire a like two or like two writers and have yeah. them rehash the entire season because we know how much those scenes cost frame for frame. And we know, thanks to the strikes, how much these writers were not getting paid. Yeah. They could have hired more writers if they would have cut that scene out, which is insane. Mm-hmm. And, and that scene, even if it was with Megan the Stallion, it was it was a terrible scene. It was like a waste I, of it, time. I was watching it. I'm like, okay, why is this a thing? And they even <laughs> took away She-Hulk's like coining factor of like the fact that she's stuck as the She-Hulk. Mm-hmm. They took that away from her to make her just a Hulk character. Because they wanted to save on VFX, yet they still had that twerking scene. Yeah, so I mean, it's like it didn't even do them any good. Like it got a bunch of internet press going, but everybody hated it. Yeah, 
I mean, I wanted to like it. I like there was a lot of funny jokes, like a couple of jokes that were just amazing. Like the Captain America, like that was a great ending mm-hmm. stinger to one episode. Um, and then the uh, the smashing fourth walls and also Matt Murdock's line was a pretty great line. Mm-hmm. Um, but those were like the the crowning jokes of the whole show. Like there wasn't that much else. Like that was like. And they went all they, out with like the whole Kevin thing. Like they, they were trying. It was the, yeah, a lot more they swing and misses. Yeah. They, I mean, at least they tried. In some aspects, yeah. they, they went for it. But that's how I felt about every show since, like, Loki. And then Loki season two comes out, and I'm like, this is fantastic. Except for last week's episode, episode two, when you have this whole thing of, like, this is billions of people dying. And I'm like, but let me see it, because it doesn't feel like it's actually impactful right now. All I'm seeing is guys throwing bombs and portals. And you're telling me that universes are dying. Yeah. I want to see that. Like... It's like, it's kind of like how I felt with, with Secret Invasion. How the whole season was gearing toward World War Three, and it didn't feel like it was like everything they were saying was huge and impactful, but nothing I saw reflected that. And I mean, that's part of Marvel's problem post Endgame, right? Like nothing can beat this weird, large scale event, and yet here yeah. we are, and Spider Man still got to stop local crime in New York City. It's just—it's one of those things where I just don't understand what they're what they're doing. <laughs> like, at somewhere along the lines, they should have realized, hey, maybe we should do it differently because what we're what we're trying for is not really working. I mean, at least with Moon Knight, you had some really baller special effects where you had like literally Moon Knight changing the sky and time and seasons, and you could see that that was just absolutely rad. Or the Egyptian god kaiju death match around the pyramids that was mm-hmm. rad but that was the only show that really had its impact visually on display <laughs> it's the limited stuff right like the yeah. like moon knight i guess i mean secret invasion was limited but it was just it was limited it was limited in, in more than just the the scope it was limited in everything yeah exactly it was like all of our budget went to samuel l jackson but it, and, it, it, i don't know marvel i loved phase one i liked 99 of phase two iron man three is the big outlier that's not make that will never make me happy but um i mean i'm i'm the guy who loves the first thor movie and felt like the first thor movie was the best thor movie Mm -hmm. um outside of uh infinity war because infinity war was a thor movie whether people realize it or not it was a thor movie he was the main character of infinity war yeah he, I, he actually had in a storyline for all of it. He was the only character that had a an actual coherent storyline, a, a character arc throughout that movie. Every other except, character was, except for Thanos. Thanos had like a like I would argue that was almost Thanos one. Yes and no. I mean, you Thanos didn't have a lot of backstory development, and I still think he hasn't. And they still need to fix that if you want to like in hindsight make that Thanos more interesting. Because then at the end of Eternals, you're like, the brother of Thanos. And some white dude walks out. And you're like, okay, why is Thanos purple then? I know it's Harry Styles, but still. Like, yeah. how are they brothers? I need that backstory now. Explain that to me. He's just biracial. That's what it was. Like, the, the genes just popped out that way. I guess so. But no, I knowing reading the comics, I know how it works. But I think audiences were even more confused by Harry Styles showing up. And being said that he's the younger brother of Thanos. 
Okay, but to be fair, did anyone actually go see Eternals? So does I, it even matter? I think Eternals would have been one of those shows that should one of those movies that should have been a miniseries because yeah. it had some great ideas, but it had not enough time to do it. And it had no real reason to exist. Like that's most yeah. of my problem with yeah. current Marvel. None of they this still needs haven't. to happen. Well, apparently the the reason why uh, the the body of Tiamat is how adamantium is introduced into the MCU, and that's how they're going to spring that a little bit. But I also would like to see like the body of Tiamat to also become Geonosis. That would be like a win for me. Yeah, like Magneto makes his mutant retreat on a dead titan like that just sounds great to me yeah but i mean it's all gonna reboot before any of this stuff comes into play anyway yeah like and because speaking of reboots uh word on the street is that not only is the post secret and secret wars reboot a real thing but the terminology that was used is that kevin feige is going to prune the things that don't work and make what he wants from the ground up so Certain oh. characters are going to completely be rebooted. Certain things may not be. It's going to be... Um, if people thought that DC's 99% reboot doesn't make any sense, wait till you see what Marvel does with it. Because they're rebooting. 62% reboot. Seriously. They're going to be like, okay, Iron Man's gone, Captain America's gone, here's new actors for those. We're going to keep this actor, we're going to get rid of this one. It's like every show, it's going to be like a 50-50. Some people stay, some people don't, because they understand that certain characters have attachments to it. At least... DC had the balls to say the entire dress league is getting recast. Sorry. Yeah. I'm trying to think. There have been TV like... shows that have done that where they've like recasted large swaths of people, but I can't think of any of them off the top of my head. I don't know why, if you're Kevin Feige, you're doing that because haven't they been paying you for like the last 15 years to give it one cohesive guideline? And then now you're like, well, you know, some of the stuff didn't work. So you know what we're going to do in order to get it to one vision, which is what I was supposed to be doing this whole time. We're just going to cut like 12 of them. Yeah, just, we're going to we're going to end game our own universe and reboot <laughs> new timelines. I want Deadpool to be the one to do it, though. Deadpool needs to go through and kill the MCU, but only like half of them. And just it would be great. Like, if they do it really cleverly, I think it'd be very funny. Um, but that also is giving the MCU too much credit. Um, yeah, the, the MCU hasn't been clever in five years. Yeah, they they need to be. And I think that's what the big issue is, is that... I don't know. I feel like Marvel, its, it's reach exceeded its ability. You know, it's like it wanted so much that it's now squandering what it potentially could have been. Um, they because needed they to had, stop. They needed to stop. They should have done a full-on reboot after Endgame. Like, Not even a reboot. Just take a break. Go do like an executive writer's retreat. All right, guys, what are we going to do with the next 10 years? Instead of going, all right, so Endgame comes out. Also, here's a trailer for the new Spider-Man movie. Or like there's just, I mean, that was Infinity War. But still, like you, you get my point. Like there's, hey, yeah. this is this big world-ending thing. And here are the next eight movies and TV shows. Yeah, they, but and then my other issue is the obviously the time jump and game has been completely disregarded now. Yeah, like it's it, it only referenced in one or two movies, and the movie that referenced it the most was not even Marvel; it was Sony. Yeah. <laughs> like, like Marvel's tried to pretend that it's not a thing. 
makes zero sense. To be honest, I don't understand why it ever was a thing. Like it never really seemed to matter much in in game. Uh, what it did was it, it allowed them to cast a bunch of teenagers to be their young Avengers that they still haven't used yet. But like, why why couldn't they have done that anyway? Like, why? Did because we... people have already people have already pointed out that as of right now, Marvel's future timeline happened a few months ago. Like, yeah, we're already caught up and surpassed it, and nothing has really happened in Marvel to justify that yeah. time jump. We we spent so. months in either Westview, which I love. WandaVision. WandaVision is still one of the greatest experiences I've ever had watching TV. But we like that was that was one of the big projects, right? And that went nowhere. And that was one of the things where I was excited for it to go nowhere because it meant Marvel could like scale down and tell cool stuff. But instead of scaling down, they then jumped back up with like Loki and Falcon and Winter Soldier to like these medium scale events. And then with Loki, like these weird cosmic scale happenings. And now yeah. none of that's paying off. The small scale stuff feels small scale. Like it doesn't feel like it matters. We don't get time with the characters we like. Like, I don't understand why they're still making things. I think that what Bob Iger said about Marvel needing to be scaled back and to reassess quality over quantity is 100% true. Mm -hmm. Because Secret Invasion could have and should have been way better than it needed, than it actually was. You have a show where you literally kill off major MCU characters, you make this shocking revelation that Rhodey probably hasn't even been Rhodey for the past five or six projects, which is it's going to piss me off even more. If Secret Invasion made canonize that Rhodey hasn't been Rhodey since Civil War, I'm just going to be like, why Why was I... Why? Like, why, what the hell? Why was the scroll so invested in stopping Thanos is what I want to know. Yeah, why does he care? <laughs> if he's just planning on overthrowing the human race later, just let Thanos do his thing. Yeah, you know, they're only like half of them. Yeah, they're already a small number to begin with. They know how to get back from nothing. It's not yeah. like there's a billion of them on the planet. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's weird. I don't know. It made zero sense. Um, and that—that's the thing. Like Marvel used to be building to something, right? It used to build the end game, and now like it's not building at all. And every step they take forward is two steps back. Because because there isn't a cohesion there. I think that's the issue a lot of people are having is that you have, it's like one out of every three or four projects reminds you that this is a multiverse chapter. Mm -hmm. But every project in between those is ignoring that fact. Like if they had just decided to keep it with that WandaVision, this is a story about one or two people kind of thing. That would have been fine for this phase. Like, let us have a phase of Spider-Man being, you know, friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. But instead, they didn't. And now, like, I think the main villain is going to end up being Kang if he can stay out of real world prison. Um, and like, yeah, we'll see. But they don't even know if, if he, I, I couldn't tell you for sure he's going to be the villain. But they keep, like, teasing him. But he's supposed to be the villain. I mean, the Secret Wars and the Kang Empire is supposed to be the Kang yeah. Dynasty. Those are supposed to be the, the Infinity War and Endgame. But we still don't know. I mean, we, we saw still him in Ant-Man. And that's it. Like, we've seen him in, at the end of Loki, and we've seen the real Kang in Ant-Man. And Ant-Man's And we're, we're seeing multiple Kangs in the rest of the season of Loki, but 
until that happens, it still feels like it's really out of place. Um, and then She-Hulk and Daredevil. And then She-Hulk. And, and then She-Hulk exists somewhere. <laughs> and then Daredevil is going to exist somewhere. And the Marvels comes out this month. And, and no one is going to be buying that. No. It's got the lowest tracking out of any Marvel movie ever. Did it? Did it, has it been beat by Howard the Duck yet? I don't know. That's what I want to know. Is it? Is, I know it was more expensive than Howard the Duck, but let's see what it turns out. I mean, they're they're tracking the movie to to open up at fifty million, which is 50? abysmal. Fifty. Gosh, that's like which DC is abysmal numbers. for Marvel. DC numbers without advertising, and Marvel has yeah. been advertising the crap out of that movie. Yeah, they have. I don't know. I don't, I still don't know why anybody would see that. It feels like a movie that exists solely because somebody had the idea. Hey, you know, uh, we have Miss Marvel. We have uh, no, Captain what Marvel. It was is they're like, hey, we've got Captain Marvel, and everyone hated her. So, what's the best way to fulfill Brie Larson's contract? Let's bring the other Marvel characters that people liked from Disney Plus, and make her share the spotlight with them. But also, everyone who hasn't watched those shows on Disney Plus are going to be confused. And that's most people because. Like, I love Marvel. I've seen every project right until after, like, Spider-Man No Way Home. At that point, I stopped. I, I shut her down. I, I can't get back into it because it's so disjointed. Yeah, it's it's messy. Yeah. Um, and it's it frustrates me because I, like I said, I know Michael, Michael and I have a lot of history, and he would be able to attest this fact. But when we were teenagers, like I liked Batman, I liked some DC characters, but I loved like Spider-Man and the X-Men. Those were my main comics I read. Marvel was a lot of my early years. And then I think it was around Batman Hush when that started coming out. When I still have some of my original issues of Batman Hush when that hit the stands in like 2005 or so. Yeah. Somewhere in that region. Um, that's when I started getting hardcore into DC. Was around Hush. Hush is what reminded me that DC was amazing. Mm -hmm. um, but I loved I loved a lot of the X-Men, Spider-Man, Daredevil, Iron Fist. Those are the characters that I really liked when I was younger. Yeah. Um, and I'm really hoping that we can kind of get Marvel back to where it should be. Because they had a great couple... They had a great handful of years. But, I don't know. Maybe not have it, giving Kevin Feige enough rope to hang himself is actually what happened. Because... Yeah. Before he had other producers that helped rein him in a little bit, and now they're all gone. <laughs> Disney's like he's the man, and he's like, I promise you, I'm not. I, I can't do this. I work by committee, and it's not working anymore because there's no committee. <laughs> You've decided yeah. I'm the guy. Where yeah. are the people uh, who make my decisions, and I can fire when they make bad ones? It's it's just it's such a weird thing because I really wanted Marvel to be. I don't know. Maybe it's just the economy. Maybe it's everything else, but people just don't care anymore. Yeah, like you can't care with your dollar anymore. Like before, if I was broke and there was a new Marvel movie out, I would find $10 to go see that movie. Yeah. But now it's a crapshoot and it's a crapshoot where like there's like a 98% chance it's not going to land on black. Like yeah. it's just not, not even worth trying. Unless it's Spider-Man, I'm not going back to the theaters. Even if it is Spider-Man, I'm going to have to like hear some good things first. It's going to yeah. have to be like Andrew Garfield. <laughs> yeah, no, it was funny because I knew Garfield and Maguire were going to show up in that movie. And a lot of people went to see it to see if that would actually happen. And that's how I convinced my dad to see the movie with me. 
And he's like, I haven't seen the other two. I'm like, but dad, Tobey Maguire is coming back. He's like, it's not in the previews. Trust me. Let's go to the movies. And that's how it got him. To, and then as soon as it happened, he's like, oh, Toby's looking old. I'm like, yeah, he stopped being Spider-Man like 15, 20 years ago. What do you he's expect like, to happen? He's 45. <laughs> he's not He's not a kid anymore. He's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Dad. Yeah. And that was, I don't know. There's, I could do a whole episode on all the, the rumors and plans and all the things that they wanted to do with that movie that they couldn't because of COVID. But they were supposed to be like, Mayday Parker was supposed to be a, a little cameo. When Peter goes home, you're supposed to see his wife and baby. But they didn't do that. I thought they did that and then cut that. That was my understanding, was that it got filmed and then they decided not to go there. And now it just I, I, hasn't shown up because they don't want to confuse people. I don't know if it ever got filmed. I heard that they wanted to do it, but even Kirsten Dunst said she never got a call, so who knows? Well, I mean, let's be honest. Everyone in that movie said they never got a call. Tom Holland, lead billing, said he never got a call for that movie. Like, well, it's also because they threatened to destroy him if he ever spoiled anything again because he had that like two-year spree of ruining every movie. Yeah. Have you have you seen – there was a – I believe it was Variety did an article about how Andrew Garfield kept denying he was in the movie. Like at first it was just a no, I haven't gotten the call. And then like he was asked like four more times and he started getting like theological with it. He's like, look, if God yeah. wants me in this movie <laughs> – it was it was hilarious like it just keeps devolving and he just keeps going like look guys i promise you i couldn't tell you if i wanted to i think there was even one where they someone asked them like after the fact like hey do you remember that conversation we had when you said this picture wasn't you and then that picture was in the movie tell me how that went <laughs> jimmy kimmel <laughs> probably yeah tell you not, Photoshop. no that's not me <laughs> it, it was you the whole time um, <laughs> everyone knew it but another thing that came out in the world of marvel which was kind of insane did you hear about what happened with matthew vaughn on x-men 3 where they like lied to halle ba berry for yes so halle berry was off the heels of winning her oscar from monster ball or something like that i, I can't remember what it was she had an oscar yeah she won an oscar in that movie that she did with billy bob thornton back in the early 2000s um she got an Oscar and then she didn't want to come back for X-Men 3 because X-Men 2 had – it was essentially – if you watch the first three X-Men films, Halle Berry is kind of like a glorified cameo in those movies. Mm -hmm. And Matthew Vaughn was meeting with them to direct it and he, there was plenty of plans. He actually had a, a lot of cast members that he was thinking of. It was actually pretty far into talks. The story goes is that he went to one of the meetings – I saw this massive script there and said, why is, why is that script bigger than the one I have? And someone let slip that they wrote a script treatment just for Halle Berry with like a whole introduction scene about her backstory that they wrote just to entice her to assign the role so that they could then throw that script out and cut the role down to what it was. And then he heard this plan and said, fuck you guys. That's, that's trash. And wow. walked. Yeah. Um, they did get him a few years later with X-Men First Class, which is the best X-Men movie of the X-Men movies. But the fact that he did that probably is what made them realize, okay, we're assholes. We should probably not do that again. Yeah, like, to do that to an Oscar-winning actress is just terrible. Yeah, that kind of a bait-and-switch, that's the, that's the shit that's happening on Hollywood a lot. And I'm glad that Matthew Vaughn is just pointing out that they're, they're assholes. Yeah, like, he, he's just being a nice guy about it. He's like, look what they did. Look at this. You guys pay how, these people. 
Look how badly they treated Halle Berry. Yeah. Imagine and, how poorly yeah. they treat like somebody just off the street. Like that, I mean, I guess we know, right? Like we've all lived through the Me Too era. This is this is how it was. Yeah. yeah. But it's just it's such a rough and insane thing that that it turned out to be why he walked away from X-Men 3. And then we got Brett Ratner. I haven't seen X-Men 3. I will I will admit. I I own it. It's sitting on my shelf somewhere. I've never gotten around to it. Um, X-Men 3 has some good stuff. Is it the one that fractured the timeline to where like you can't watch those movies straight through without reading a book about why none of them matter? No, that was X-Men Origins Wolverine. Mm. That was the one that made a contradictory backstory while they were doing another movie about a different backstory. And they made them at the same time and clearly proved that no one in the writer's room talks to each other. (laughs) That is so weird. That movie sucked. I have seen that one. I'm gonna have to force Grant to sit through that one for uh, through the monocle. One of these. Yeah, you should do a a random X Men episode. Audio commentary. Yeah, do a uh, a non MCU Marvel month where you just go through like the random movies. And one that I would suggest to watch is Daredevil Director's Cut because the theatrical version of Daredevil is a dumpster fire, but the rated R Director's Cut is actually watchable and pretty great. I love how actually watchable is like a uh, it's a compliment. They cut thirty minutes of vital plot, including a supporting role by Coolio as a drug dealer who killed a hooker. I wonder where I've heard that one before and related to comic book movies. Wasn't there like some other Ben Affleck vehicle where they cut like half the movie? Oh, and then another one where they cut like thirty minutes and it and then complain when people said it doesn't make sense. Maybe Ben Affleck is the, the the problem. Like maybe he's the one that his projects keep getting cut down and people like not don't like it. Yeah. His director's cuts are fantastic, but his theatrical cuts not so much. No, and he just <laughs> needs to convince the uh, the the studios, hey, we're not the we'll put the theatrical cut on DVD and we'll release the director's cut in theaters. Yeah, that's what we'll do. All right, so on to our last topic because I feel like we've talked a lot about Marvel and the shenanigans that they're doing. Um. You are too young for this, and I know this because we've talked about your age, and it, it kills me a little bit. I'm, I'm very young. But yeah. in the 90s was a magical show called Gargoyles, and that show, um, the, the history behind Gargoyles is one that fans of the, the project know very well. Um, the team that was behind the Batman animated series decided to take a chance at doing something just crazy off the wall and made this original IP called the Gargoyles. And it was one of those projects that you don't, I mean, it it only could have thrived in the nineties, right? It was one of those, like the wild west of the nineties gave birth to this project. And you had this plot line of like this, ancient times like medieval knights and and dragons and whatnot and this kingdom was protected by these gargoyles that were literally made uh by magic to protect this kingdom and they they only came out at night uh when the sun set they broke their their shell and they were one they were cursed and 
basically the curse said that you will never break free of this curse until the castle is raised be, uh, above the clouds, right? Fast forward to present day, and you have this guy named Xanatos who basically puts this castle on top of his skyscraper to break the curse. And um, long story short, you have these these characters that I, I'll just pull up an image because they they're just absolutely weird designs, but like just they were a lot of fun. And as the show went on, it started getting hella weird with like introducing uh, Macbeth and Shakespearean era archetypes and <laughs> and characters that you know from Renaissance style mythology and like I said, the works of Shakespeare. And this show proved that, okay, yes, it was a kid's show, but it was not a kid's show because you had to do your homework to understand these references or be someone who's well-versed in this kind of mythology. It became a cult favorite show. It had technically three seasons. Season one, 13 episodes. Season two had one episode a week for an entire year, so 52 episodes. And then season three was another 13 episodes. And it ended on an actual ending. It didn't have one of those like cliffhanger, oh no, it's over. It actually gave it, the show had an ending. Um, in terms of the casting, the the main gargoyle, the big purple guy, Goliath, right there in the middle, the big purple guy, was actually voiced by Keith David, um, which was kind of amazing. I love um, Keith David. He's a uh, friend of a friend of mine, and I will uh, never stop telling people that. The, the main bad guy, David Xanatos, was voiced by Jonathan Franks, number two from Star Trek Next Generation. Um, it had such a crazy cat. You had like Frank Welker at Asner, like all these iconic voice actors were there. Yeah. Um, just watch the show and you'll be like, oh my God, this is amazing. Um, because there was a lot that just, it catches you off guard by how many voices you're going to recognize um, and how weird it is. Um, uh, the guy who plays the voice of uh, Patrick from SpongeBob, Bill Bagerbacky, I, I never pronounced his name right. Yeah, uh, he does a character named Broadway. I think he's the uh, the big blue guy on the left. <laughs> I think that's him too. <laughs> like I'm Patrick, that guy. Um, uh, Thomas F. Wilson, uh, the guy who was a uh, Biff from Back to the Future, he does a voice yeah. in the show too. Um, it's just it has a cast that you're just like. It had like a cast that's on par with how the cast of the Batman animated show went. Where you're just like, how did they get these people? And the answer is, it was the 90s. Where you're like, Luke Skywalker's here? What? He's the bad guy? Yeah. yeah. No, but like, it's, it's everywhere. So they announced earlier today, and I'm probably just going to drop this episode later tonight or just tomorrow morning at yeah. like 8 a.m. or something. Um, they announced that a live action Gargoyles is happening. And unlike the previous rumor that Kenneth Branagh was going to be helming a live action and a live action movie, it's not a live action movie. It's a live action TV series coming from the pair of Gary Duberman, Dauberman. He's been hired to write, show run, and executive produce. And this is the guy that was behind the uh, the Annabelle movies. Yeah. <laughs> and then you've got James Wan, who's James Wan, the guy behind the Conjuring and Annabelle movies, yeah. that is going to eat. <laughs> the whole thing so you got this project that is just that was 
already off the get-go, you have two modern-day horror icons bringing the Gargoyles to to Disney+. Plus. This show better not be rated like TV-14. They're going to have to embrace the fact that they've got the best horror directors ever. No, they could legitimately make it TV-14, and it would be fine if they let these guys do what they want to do. Because you can make almost every horror movie, you can kind of argue that a horror movie typically becomes rated R because of copious amounts of swearing, gore, or nudity. And you can make a horror movie without those things, and it can still be pretty damn effective. But you're not going to get the... Like, that's almost a level of street cred, right? Like, where they've started throwing that into scripts so that you can get that R rating. Because without it, like nobody's gonna sit there and go, "Well, I'm watching, you know, PG-13. That it's just not scary." Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I've never seen the original. Maybe, maybe you can pull it off. But like with those with those directors, I would want to see an R-rated Gargoyles. I mean, why why not? Let's just let them swear. Let the Gargoyles swear. I don't think it needs to because the. The Gargoyles show, a lot of it had to deal with the fact that these Gargoyles are from the medieval times. And they don't know how to fit into modern day, let alone... I mean, where they where they were, they were considered monsters, but they were also considered the guardians of their kingdom. Mm-hmm. So people didn't look at them as freaks. And now they're, they're out here in the present, and they're like, okay, so we we shouldn't exist. This world doesn't think that supernatural things do exist. And here we are in the middle of New York. Okay. So there was a couple of bits where it was like almost like Ninja Turtles where they were like, they'd put their wings over their chest and put a trench coat on and walk around with a hat trying to like blend in. Like literally like Ninja Turtles. And they realized very quickly that it's not possible. Yeah. So you can you can make something, as long as you allow the horror aspect to be there, these guys can shine. And if you let the source material be what it was and let them bring their flair to it, 100%. You can make a TV-14 Disney plus friendly show that will blow audiences away. Yeah. Okay. And I, I don't think for a second that you have to make it. I mean, I mean, look at it this way. There are movies like horror movies that legitimately aren't rated R that are very effective. Like jaws. One of the most effective horror movies of all time. It's rated PG. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Cloverfield, the movie that started the found footage nonsense that, that destroyed a whole genre for a while. First Cloverfield is PG-13. I think even the first Insidious is only PG-13. Really? Yeah, like Tremors, another iconic one, 1408, things like that. Like, there are some legitimately scary movies, um, like Drag Me to Hell, I think. Um, the one that, uh, what's that one with Jim from The Office and no one spoke in the whole movie? Oh, A Quiet Place. Yeah, that movie is yeah. PG-13. But that movie is PG-13 because of its gimmick. And they they did a good job at it. Good for them. Um, But you don't have to, like, you don't have to make a movie rated R to make it effective. Like, you you can make it work. So I think there is definitely a lot of movies that can use the right kind of tension, the right kind of lighting, the right kind of scariness. Um, I mean, even like in the early 2000s, the movies that made horror movies relevant again, like The Ring and uh, The Grudge, both for PG-13. Yeah. 
and you you can push PG thirteen pretty far, and you can push TV fourteen pretty far. Um, I, I, for instance, the TV show Suits. The only reason Suits became TVMA is because like the last two seasons of that show decided to drop f bombs every episode because they're like, wait, we can do this, and they just started doing it. Yeah, why not? But like the entire show up to that point, every every shit, every damn, every bastard, every bitch, all that stuff, TV fourteen. You can make it work. You can even show people's butts on TV fourteen. <laughs> like you don't, yeah. you don't need to be TVMA unless you like show some boobs and you drop an F word. Unless like, you're Howard the Duck, at which point you're PG. Yeah, but also it was eighties PG, eighties PG, Breakfast Club, full frontal nudity, PG. Yeah, Howard the Duck, full frontal duck nudity, duck boobs. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why, but yeah. No, but I, even that like. Uh, I think of 10 Cloverfield Lane, the other yeah. Cloverfield movie. That movie is also PG-13, and there's a scene where a guy is being melted by acid. <laughs> like, <laughs> Entertaining? So, yeah. yeah. No, I, I, I just think it would be – I mean, first off, like, who's the show for? Because if it's not for, like, children – It's, it's for that, me. That's what like, the show's for. <laughs> well, if it's for you, then, like, why not go all out? Like, if, if Because you're, at the same time, if someone made a modern-day Power Ranger movie – I would also not want it to be TVMA because I want my Power Rangers to be realistic, but I don't want them to be realistic teenagers where they're just dropping F-words for the sake of dropping F-words. You know, it's like, I don't, I, I get that if you want to go dark and gritty and modern, yes, everything that is realistic would probably be TVMA because outside of the silver screen, people suck and we have potty <laughs> mouths and that's what we are. Yeah. But you don't have to do it that way. You can have, like, like I said, Power Rangers. You have the the Power Rangers fan film that was a TVMA fan film where it was like there was sex, drugs, and all that stuff. Like, I think Zach had like two naked girls next to him. He was doing lines of coke, of and there was like hardcore blow. It was a, a crazy short film, but that one. Um, and then you have the 2017 reboot, which was pretty much what i expect a modern day power rangers to be and that kind of shows you the disparity between the two like you can make a dark gritty realistic project and not have the black rangers doing coke you know <laughs> like, yeah. yeah no and I, I i get all of that but my i guess what i'm saying is if they're making it for those 90s kids who wanted to see more gargoyles i'm all i think beheadings would be kind of cool like i think but you, can, you can do beheadings without showing decapitated body i mean like, yeah how do you edit a rated r movie for cable tv you just cut out the money shot that's all you have to do is just cut out that one frame where there's blood yeah you can and show if, the head rolling you can show everything else you just don't have to have the yeah but if it was made for kids i would understand cutting that i guess what i'm saying is if you're gonna hire the horror directors to do it you're going to make a, a show that is unabashedly for people who were watching it when it came out in the nineties. Yeah. Make it like you're making it for 35 year olds. Okay. That's fair. Because like, you're not like, I think that's been a lot of Disney's problem. Like even with the daredevil reboot thing, right? Like they're, they're afraid of making the show who the show's for. So they end up with things where it's like, nope, the people you're making it for don't want to see that. I look at Barbie, and Barbie made a killing. But, like, at the end of the day, I still don't know who that movie was made for. It, it just... 
Yeah, like you can't take your six-year-old to see it. Because the subject matter is not for kids, but also it's... It should be a kid's kind of movie. Childish. Yeah. It, it plays off your nostalgia, which used to be a mental disorder, but that is what it is. No, um, and I, I, I like to point that out. I'm glad that someone else noticed, noticed, uh, acknowledges the fact that for hundreds of years, the concept of nostalgia was considered a mental disorder. Yeah. It's like the concept of reminiscing of reliving your glory days or whatever the, the, the terminology is. That was basically people who were unable to accept their reality in front of them and tried to hold on to the past and they would get medication for it. Yep. <laughs> and now it's uh, it, Whole mean, generation. That's how everything makes the money. Like I, I yeah. can't, I saw the day they were rebooting Matlock. Like, how? I, I don't know, Who? but I would. Who's even still alive that remembers the original Matlock? Uh, Who's the target yeah. audience? Who's still alive and not in government that remembers Matlock? I remember Matlock, but I also remember that it was a show that was like my grandpa would watch. Right. You watched it on reruns. Yeah. And like, yeah, I no, I've seen Matlock. I, I love Matlock. I love every, everything Andy Griffith ever did, but like, yeah. I don't know why why you would bother remaking it without Andy Griffith. Like if you if you're gonna do that, just show the reruns. It's, it's like when they made they made the new Quantum Leap show, and yeah. you had the opportunity to acknowledge the original show and make it part of the character's mission to find the original guy. It's not even hard to do that. Just say, like, I'm going back to find the doctor, and then just do the show. Like just add that line at the beginning. So the original fans who liked the original Quantum Leap. We'll tune in because they're like, like a sequel. will he show up? Will they yeah. find him? But what they did was they referenced him in the first episode and then just did their own thing. And I'm like, so is it not a sequel? Because you could have pretended it was a sequel for my sake and I would have tuned in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I, I I don't know. I guess I, I think that's a lot of Hollywood's problem right now is they forget who they're making stuff for and they just start making it and it sucks or it doesn't, but nobody watches it. Like The Flash, for example. Who was the Flash made for? Older-ish DC fans, yeah, but they didn't market it like that. No, they they didn't know what to market the Flash with, and we got fans. You got people like me who loved it, and then you got people like everyone in the Snyder crowd who thought it was a inversion to a perversion of reality. So, I even don't know. though that it was like unabashedly like a Snyder movie, yeah, and it was they packed references in. To make it a Snyder movie, exactly, and I love that movie. I still love the Flash. I can I can recognize it has its faults, but I love that movie. I do wish there instead was... of saying they just they intentionally didn't pay for CGI that they just paid for CGI. But but they also rebooted that movie so many times that who knows? Yeah. Um, let me see. There was a quote in Twenty One Jump Street that I like to always point out with how Hollywood works was um, in the first one, they said that people will keep rehashing the same ideas pretending no one will notice. Mm -hmm. And and I, if I could find the real quote, it was one of my favorite lines of that whole movie because it pretty much covers how Hollywood works. And that movie was so meta that it was ahead of its time. That's I can't say I've ever seen. But I, Have I you ever watched 21 Jump Street? I've never seen 21 Jump Street. I uh, I guess I need to. You need to. I'm still catching up on my my old Hollywood stuff, like my well, I say old, the Scorseses and the Coppolas and that kind of thing. 
Speaking of which, I can't wait to go see Killers of the Flower Moon this week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, let's see. I don't know. It's like... Oh, my God. Where on earth is that quote? Because there was such a amazing quote. I like the, the Animaniacs song about, like, just reboot it, reshoot it. <laughs> yeah, like, it, like where everything is being remade. Like, I think even, like, Murphy Place or not Murphy. Uh, oh, like, they're just remaking everything. And, like, it, it's yeah. kind of on the nose. But at this point, we're, we're, we are literally rebooting reboots. Yeah, while they're being rebooted. While they're being Daredevil, rebooted. Daredevil was getting rebooted. And this kind of goes back to what the Stephen uh, – the previous showrunner said that Disney had this long-standing history of half rebooting a show so they could avoid paying royalties and licensing mm -hmm. for continuing a show further. But this show was essentially a reboot. They were gonna re they were gonna treat the Netflix verse as a variant universe and pick and choose what they liked and go from there. But now it's getting rebooted again. So who knows what happens? And to me, like you you can't do that. Like if you're going to bring in Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock, bring in Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock and just let that be an in-universe show. Yeah. Now, you don't have to count the Defenders. I'm okay if you don't count the Defenders. Like, anything other than that, nah. But if you're going to bring in Daredevil, let Daredevil exist. Yeah. And, I don't know. I mean, I, I always feel like the Daredevil show, the biggest issue with the Daredevil show was that they tried to rush it to make it happen because Iron Fist had a great cast it just did not have the fight choreography it needed to be Iron Fist. They they rushed it. They needed they tried to get it out as fast as they could to make their deadlines, but they needed to cook a little bit more. And Iron Fist season two way better than the first season. Um, Defenders was okay, but everything post Defenders was fantastic. So I felt like they really kind of shot themselves in the foot by trying to rush it out the gate. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you can't blame them because at that point, like they had just invented the team up film. With the yeah. Avengers, like, so, I get it. I, it's like I can't blame the the DCU people for trying to get to Justice League as fast as they did. But yeah, well, they they had their own issues with with making that happen, and they they shot themselves in the foot by hiring Zack Snyder to make a universe, and then cutting him at the knees every time then, he tried to make a universe. Yeah, though at the same time, it sounds like Zack didn't show up to make a universe. He showed up to make five movies and dip. So, he showed up to make an anthology and said, yeah, I'll make a universe for you, but I'm going to give it an ending. And they're like, no, 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 we want to live forever. He's like, I'll give you an ending and you can reboot it whenever you want. And then I leave. Or you can just make it live forever. Like, yeah. it, like you can end it, reboot it, and it'd be the exact same thing. Yeah, exactly. The Flash doesn't have to lose a tooth in front of George Clooney. <laughs> yeah. 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 Who was such a weird choice by the way that tooth scene made no sense it, the whole scene would have been fine if it wasn't for that tooth thing i think that was the biggest diffuser of that scene um, and, like why that, george clooney like why not anybody but george clooney well they there's there's a whole minutia of why that happened and i think it was just to show that once again barry doesn't know where the hell he's at and it was kind of just a tongue-in-cheek nod to george clooney's not keaton's batman which is what a lot of people tried to convince you of for 20 years so the fact that they made it a whole separate universe was another way to canonize that franchise without also um, saying it's the same franchise. Yeah. 
I've seen Batman and Robin way too recently to be okay with that. <laughs> Batman and Robin is one of those projects that if you listen to it, it was written pretty well. It was directed terribly. I don't even know if it was written well. That movie, by the end of it, was writing itself. Okay, so fun story. The first time I ever saw that, me and my dad sat down to hate watch it because I had bought it for a dollar that day. Like we're gonna, no, we're gonna not, watch not, it. I'm not saying that this the dialogue was written very well because the Mr. Freeze ice puns are terrible. Oh, good gosh, but yes. If you look at the overall plot, it's a lot like the the Nick Cage Ghostwriter film, where you can tell that there is a gem that could have been pulled out of there with a great director who wasn't making a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. And I, I still think you need to uh, somehow convince whoever wrote it to not make Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy somehow pull for the same side. Like, I think if you, I think if they had avoided that, there's a good story. But once you go there, it's like, there's, you got nothing. You got nothing. You, you got, you got nothing. But yeah, by the time my, my dad and I had gotten through that movie, you know where uh, Ar Arnie, or uh, Mr. Freeze goes, take two of these and call me in the morning. My dad saw the two vials of whatever that stuff was and did said that in the Arnold Schwarzenegger voice, having never seen the movie, right, like, on cue, and it was the funniest thing I've ever seen. It's like, yeah. the movie wrote itself. It was just, it was insane. But there was also a darker movie out there. There was a whole subplot with Poison Ivy stabbing Bruce Wayne's fiance to death, and there's a whole stuff that they took out because the director couldn't help himself trying to make the movie darker than what the studio wanted. Yeah. I, I could tell you stories about that project and what that movie could have been if they would have let the director make his own movie. Which is what every DC movie would have been. But now had. we have DC that's its own studio and we legitimately have a chance to get something that's not run by a committee. So fingers crossed that 2025 is going to be good for DC. Yeah, fingers crossed James Gunn is better than by committee. Yeah, because I, I will fully trust James Gunn making a successful DC project as long as people like Toby Emmerich are not giving notes every 30 seconds on what they yeah. can and can't do. Yeah, 100%. But on that note, before we end, I'm going to show you all again Batman 89 battering, Batman 89 poly bag with a full-headed cowl which is mm -hmm. amazing because if you actually see this poly bag, he can't turn his head. Yeah, I've got his cowl is connected to a symbol, and it's 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 a whole unit. I mean, you have the the yeah, you have it. Yeah, um, it's amazing. I bought literally that, and it is fantastic. It's the same figure out of the new Batcave set. It's actually a yeah, better really. printing of that same figure. I I like to point out that people did that, which is fantastic. Um, and then because I didn't want to leave people with just a single issue of Batman 89. I bought the trade for whoever wins this month. Nice. So hardbound trade with the Batarang, with the poly bag. Y'all need to start entering in because so far I've only got three or four people that have actually entered in both weeks. So there's nice. people that are probably going to win the odds better than everyone else. So um, on that note, again, guess what this week's question is going to be? As always, you have to subscribe to the channel, you got to like the channel, and you have to comment with this video with the answer of this week's discussion question. And guess what this week's discussion question is? Now that Gargoyles is in the works, what 90s TV show do you want to see rebooted for the fans of that original show? Not reinvented. Not like Boy Meets World and Girl Meets World, where it's, it's kind of the same show, but it's nowhere near the same show. I'm talking about 
Would you like to see Pirates of the Dark Water to come back as being rebooted? Would you like to see a, a different take on literally a, or a reboot? That fantastic 90s animated show that was way darker than it needed to be. Let us know in the comments what 80s, 90s, early 2000s project that you believe needs a modern day, legitimately faithful reboot. And who would you want to make it? Who would you want them to do that? Would you like to see Zack Snyder make a He-Man movie? Because I sure as hell would. I talk about it all the time. That would be great. It, it would be so great that I literally asked him behind camera saying, Zach, would you ever make a He-Man movie? And he laughed and he's like, that sounds a lot like 300. And that would be great. <laughs> so he acknowledged <laughs> the fact that I, in my brain, that was what I wanted. And he he also said, yeah, that would probably look really cool. Yeah. <laughs> so seeing Zack so Snyder Skeletor. Riding on a giant purple panther. Yes. Hell yes. Let's do that. Netflix announces next week that uh, Kevin Smith is writing Zack Snyder's human movie. Oh my God. I would, there was no words to describe how much I would geek out on the internet right now. Yeah. But on that note, again, thank you all for joining us. If you want to help us keep the lights on, patreon.com slash the cultured nerd. On the Patreon account, I'm probably going to have to update this slide because Patreon made themselves a new logo this last week, and I haven't updated this yet. Uh, Patreon on art, patreon.com slash theculturenerd. We have sub-channels for every one of our network shows. So Grant's show, Through the Monocle, will be on there as well if you want to support those guys and their channel. And they're also doing a Martin Scorsese giveaway this month. So head over to them, enter into their contest, and get a chance to win that Scorsese little box set because it's kind of cool. Uh, for those of you who do currently support us, thank you for joining. Uh, thank you for supporting us. Thank you for helping us keep going. I have been your host, Taylor Murphy. My co-host, Michael Santel, is in Costa Rica, so screw him. My current <laughs> host today is Grant Ingram from Through the Monocle. Our logo was made by Jose Navarro. Intro was made by myself and the ever-talented Jay Stu. And if you are at home, go ahead, whip out that phone, scan that QR code, harass us on social media, like, comment, subscribe, help us keep the lights on, help us do what you do, if you don't want to support us financially, just like, comment, and subscribe because that does a lot more than you think. Until the next time, we'll see you next week.